Hey there, exhausted listeners. Before we jump into this episode, I want to invite you to join our Recharged Educators online community. It's a great place where we share ideas, celebrate successes, build each other up, and just support each other like crazy. It's free and it's beneficial. We would love for you to join us. You can find information to join in the show notes below. Also in the show notes, you can find a link to our Recharge store where you can purchase some of the merchandise that will help to support the community and also support this podcast. Thank you for all you do out there in education land. We appreciate you. Now on with the show. To all the exhausted village. I'm, that's what I'm going to call your fans, Kyle. The exhausted village. Shout out to the exhausted educators. <laughs> this is a Holding On To Learning LLC production. Woo! The ideas expressed on this show are not the views of their employer. Besides, if you really want to take advice from this guy, well, you should probably do it at your own risk. You're going to love the exhausted educator in What is going on, Education Heroes? Thank you for sliding in to the Exhausted Educator Show. This week, we are going to deep dive into improving student behaviors. This will be for the hornets and the yellow jackets and the wasps out there, because we're going to talk all about behaving. <laughs> That was really bad. Not that any of my dad jokes are any good. That one was particularly poor. Oh, well. But you know what's not poor is our amazing guest, Alex Held. She's back for round two. We got a ton of feedback from many of you about how much you love her. And the people in my district love her, too, for the same reasons. She's intelligent. She's got great ideas. And she's realistic and supportive. She is the full deal, and she's back again for round two. Also something that I want to share with you that is not poor is our Recharge Educator community. We'd love for you to join. All you got to do is hook up with us in the show notes below. You can find the link to join. But I bring that up today because I want to give a shout out to a brand new member of our community. It's Jonathan from the amazing state of Missouri who is running a PD, and he made my week. It flat out juiced me up, got me ready to go right before I hit the record button here because he shared with me that this week when he was running a professional development session with a number of people, he had them going out and just do some exercising and, and take a walk, he had, which is great, by the way. Love the idea. It's a novel approach. Good for you, Jonathan. Well, he gave them a list of 10 different podcasts that they could listen to on like their 25, 30 minute walk. And when you know it, the exhausted educator show was one of those. So appreciated that man. Shout out to you. Thank you for making my week. That's really what our community is about. It's about supporting each other and building each other up. You did that for me, Jonathan. I can't thank you enough. I've, I really appreciate it. Speaking of appreciation, I got a huge appreciation for our guest. Let's get it. Here's the rundown for this episode. We're going to start off with the amazing and talented Alex Held, and she's going to dive into some intervention ideas on how you can go about improving student behaviors. 
Then we're going to go to party time, and that's going to be all about a little league team you've never heard of and hitting a home run for behavior. And it's going to come back to your classroom in some weird, demented way, like usual. Then we're going to finish up with having big eyes, seeing effort from those who have challenging behaviors can make a huge difference. That's how we're going to finish up. Let's keep it going. I want to tell you a little bit about our guest, but I don't really need to go into too much detail since she was on the last episode as well. If you didn't hear the last episode, our amazing guest went into some detail. We, we pretty, pretty much went deep into understanding student behavior. Highly suggest you go back and listen to her. This episode is going to be all about interventions and ideas for working with individual behaviors in your classroom. Alex Held is a BCBA, that's a a board-certified behavior analyst, and she works in my home school district in Delaware, and she is just top-notch. I'll share this one example with you that happened just this week. I was visiting some classrooms at our intensive learning center where we have some students with challenging behaviors. It's a a separate self-contained school that um, really provides a lot of extra support for students who need it. Alex happened to be there one day, and as I was in talking with one of the teachers, she said to me, oh, there goes Alex Held. We must be an important place because Alex Held comes here. Those are the words that she shared with me. So you know, she's big time. Not just in our school district, though, because I really want to share more of her stuff with you. She can be big time outside of our district walls as well. She's amazing. I hope you have an Alex Held in your school district helping you all out to work through some of those challenging behaviors. Ladies and gentlemen, Alexandra Held. So I think you've kind of dipped into where I wanted to go to next as far as like the intervention side of things. And I know from a teacher standpoint, it's always like, well, what, what can I do? What can, tell me what I can do to help and but you the hard part is all of what we had in this previous conversation is leading up to understanding the individual Mm -hmm. before we can even get to the intervention piece that's why it's so important to kind of go through all that whole process of it but now we start to move towards maybe we understand have a pretty good idea of number one what the behaviors are that, that are challenging number two we've looked at some of the things like the functions of the behavior and we're trying to, you know, we've, we've developed a pretty good system of understanding the student the best we can. So now what's next? <laughs> the fun part. Yes. Um, so it's really going to depend on, it's going to depend on a few things. It's going to depend on one, um, you know, what does your, and we kind of touched on this a little bit, but like, what does your overall classroom look like? And what are your tier one and two or two interventions looking like? So have you set in your classroom those really clear expectations within your room? Are all students aware of, you know, what, what exactly those are? Are you sticking to them? Right. Are you following through with those expectations? Um, So I would say those are the big core pieces. Um, But those could be also things that we do put within a plan um, to make sure people are aware, especially when the student transitions to a new teacher, a new classroom the following year that you know what, this is super important for the student to understand the expectations of the classroom. And maybe that's something that we have to reiterate with them multiple times a day. Hmm. You know, here are our expectations here we have to follow. 
Um, and again, it's, it's really going to all depend on the individual that we're working with and the assessment that we completed and the functions that we're looking at as well. Yep. Um, but those are the big things that I would be looking at part of that plan in the first place are, have we established really clear guidelines within the classroom? Um, what does your overall environment look like? So do we need to look at um, either having flexible seating with the student or um, do we need to move them within the room? Are they too close to the door? Or um, maybe they're next to a peer that they're not getting along well and um, the peers feeding, you know, feeding uh, or giving them a lot of attention for those challenging behaviors. Maybe we need to move them away from them. Right. Maybe it's talking with the classroom as a whole and talking about like, what are our expectations here? If this happens with a student, here's what we can do. Um, And some of these are, uh, I know us as a school district, we were looking at, you know, the hacking school discipline and things like that. And I do think there's some good strategies within. Um, I read the book and everything. Um, I think there's some good strategies and I think they might call it some different things than we would in applied behavior analysis, uh, but similar, I would say, antecedent management strategies. Um, So even some of those things like discussing with the classroom as a whole. So not just making sure the individual that we're working with or having the plan for understands the expectations, but are all the students aware of the expectations within the room? Another piece that I look at intervention wise is, you know, does a student need, um, need frequent breaks during the day? So again, coming out of a pandemic, especially if a student is struggling from an academic standpoint, maybe the work is just hard and they're a little behind. And this is something that, you know, the teacher is going to be more aware of this stuff. So I'll work with them directly to kind of figure out where we're at with the student, but do they need a couple breaks throughout the day or do we need to chunk their assignments? Um, so is it, Hey, we're going to finish three problems here and then we get to take a break or we get to earn something. Um, again, this is, I'll say this probably with every strategy, this is all going to depend on the student and don't just go implementing these things willy nilly. Yep. Yep. No, (laughs) you're a hundred percent right. And so, you know, when I meet, (laughs) when I meet with a group, they may not enjoy this answer, but if I'm looking, (laughs) this is the truth. If I'm looking to develop a positive behavior growth, it's yes. about the individual and what I can do with that individual. It's not always, if I want to develop a, you know, expectations of how I manage my classroom, that's something I can work with over the whole classroom. But if I'm looking at trying to develop positive behavior growth, then I have to dive deep into the individual specifically. You hit on this way back at the beginning what works for one student doesn't necessarily work for the next. And that's yeah. hard. It's hard. It's why working with, with students with behavior challenges is really hard work. It's not easy. But it's so important that you understand how the, each individual, what, how their brain ticks, right? And, and what, what it is that can um, maybe move the needle with them individually, which really kind of moves me to where I want to go next, <laughs> it, which is all about... You know, what can we do to reinforce the behavior? Because so much of you talked about praise. A lot of times, you know, in, in my position working with, you know, every, all the levels up to the, into the high school, you know, if I say reinforcement, so many people are like, well, I'm not getting out a sticker chart for a junior in high school, right? Like, <laughs> and I get right. that. But you know what? Yeah. Reinforcement might be praise and like seeing exactly what the behavior it is. And it might be small, but acknowledging it. But it could also be something tangible, depending on the individual student, right? So you kind yes. of dive into a little bit of that piece for us. 
Yeah, sure. Um, and I mean, I think you had a good starting point there too, where, you know, every student's going to be different. So what might be really for preferred for Johnny might be something that Sally hates, you know? Um, but also too, what I might assume a child or student likes, don't always assume it. Yes. (laughs) Might not be the case. Exactly. And I think that's definitely where preference assessments and reinforcer assessments come into play here. You know, um, so these are definitely things that I would say within the FBA process and plan implementation process. These are things that I would look at. But in terms of just a teacher in a classroom, I mean, some of the easy some one of the easiest things you can do is just talk to the student and, you know, find out, you know, what they like. And really part of that could be the rapport building and relationship building process. You know, hey, what shows do you watch when you're at home or what games do you like to play or um, even just recognizing that when they were given free time and they were able to choose a book, like what books are they gravitating towards um, to get an idea of their likes and dislikes? Um, I think so you're, you're hitting on something huge there. Like It can be so easy. <laughs> yeah, yes. Like the carrot you dangle out in front when we're talking about if it's actually specific, like tangible reinforcement, moving mm-hmm. towards a goal, maybe I'm going to get an actual reward. Get yeah. their input. Get like yes. get their input. Have, talk with them. Because if I'm just guessing, well, I think they're just going to want this, I might not be guessing right. So if they, especially if they're a very verbal individual, some of the students, Mm -hmm. you know, in in the special education realm, they're not the most verbal individuals. But if they they are, and many of them are, get their input on what it is that, that they enjoy, what it is that they like. I just think that's a huge piece. Oh my God. Yes. I mean, and, and even thinking about the praise part too, um, you might have some students, and I, and I have certainly learned this working with some individuals where you've some individuals that really like the big, bubbly, you know, big show that you put on of excitement when they do something well, and you have other students, you do that, and they're like, oh, my God. Yeah, scare them. <laughs> this is way too much, right. you know. Right. But again, that's part of getting to know the student and building that relationship because, you know, you need to figure those things out. Um yeah. Cause then, you know, okay, you know what, I can be really silly and funny with this student, but you know what, this doesn't seem like this works for this student. So what do I, what do I need to do differently? Yep. Um, and a lot of that could be, again, just figuring out their likes and dislikes. Um, and in terms of kind of using those as reinforcers, you know, and again, with reinforcer assessments, we only know something is a reinforcer if we see that behavior increase. So that's how we know that, so say, for example, we have, you know, we found out that a student really likes, I don't know, let's just say gummy bears. Um, Who doesn't like a good gummy bear? Right. Yeah. Gummy (laughs) bears. You know, if we're giving them gummy bears when they're, um, uh, when we want to see a behavior that we want to see increase and we see that behavior increase over time, when we see that challenge behavior decrease, all right, we know this is a good reinforcer for them. It's working. Um, If we're not seeing that, it's not motivating them enough. So we need to look at something different then. Um, And that I think goes into the other piece of what might have worked one day. It might be something completely different. I was just about to say that very same thing. Matter of fact, this was a discussion I had with a teacher this week. I said, this is going to sting a little bit because it's really hard that Uh the student you're talking about, they'll have like a couple great days. Maybe it's a week. In this particular case, it was a week. And like the, the go week. And then we end up having to like, change what it is that that we're looking at as the goal the reward in the end and it's hard because it's like extra work and you're constantly thinking about it 
And, you know, for that specific student, we kind of redeveloped the idea of let's see if we can pick like a few different ideas and then we'll just kind of rotate them around so we're not constantly reinventing the wheel. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of students, that's the it can get stale quick. Like, yes. I've had 900 gummy bears. I want some chocolate, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Yes. Um, and I will say, too, um, look, I think edible reinforcers are something that can work magic at times for students. But I do think it's a hard thing to continue with, mm -hmm. especially depending on our reinforcement schedule. And when I say reinforcement schedule, you know, are we reinforcing that good behavior every single time or every other time, or are we doing it after so many instances of it? Um, and I could get super terminology based with ABIs, <laughs> so like a variable ratio or they are a fixed interval, fixed ratio, yep. things like that. Um, but, but that's important to know because if we are looking at maybe like a one-to-one -one ratio, especially with a new behavior that we're first starting out with teaching, we want to reinforce every time and then slowly and systematically fade out of that. Um, we need to be careful with edible reinforcers yep. or really any, anything like that in general, especially in a school setting, because we're looking at one feasibility. So do we have the staff and manpower in the room to reinforce every single time? Yeah, are most you going to be not... able to catch it every single time? Yeah, right. Not capable. Um, in the and I should have said this earlier, but in terms of just plan implementation overall, those are definitely things that even before I'm putting anything in place, I'm talking with these teachers about, okay, so this is what I'm thinking here. Um, I think this is what we need to do. How feasible is this for you to do on a daily basis? Right, right. You know? And that's and a big that's, piece. Yes, that is. And for any behavior analyst who's watching this or will watch this, <laughs> so important, especially going into a school. It's very different than working in a clinic setting, working in a setting where you have a one-to-one -one for every single student. You know, we do really have to look at feasibility of plan implementation here. Um, yep. it, that's a big piece. And I, I honestly believe that's one of the many reasons why our staff enjoy you coming in so much because you're very reasonable and you take you take right, that right. into consideration. No, you really do. You know, in you know, here's a great idea, and then the teacher might be like, "Well, I can't really do that. Like, I I yep. can't do that. It's one individual. I can't constantly give them a ticket every time I see that behavior. I'm only one yep. person. What about the rest of the class? And so sure. again, I, I I certainly appreciate that. You're you're very reasonable about working. You know, with the, <laughs> with with the staff in general. So there's the reinforcement piece of it. And then, then there's a consequence piece. And if all we have is consequences, we're, we're not setting ourselves up for success there, right? If no, all we have are reinforcements, then really there's, there's no um, you know, expectation guideline of if we cross over into a behavior that we shouldn't have, then you know, without that too. So it's kind of like you have to find a balance really. But could you talk about consequences? Because it's something that, some, especially people without a background in behavior, it's just like, just suspend them, you know? Get them out. Just get them out. That'll teach them. That's not always the case. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess first, thinking about consequences, um, one, they're not for everybody, yeah. you know? Yeah. And again, I think thinking about consequences in general, especially if, if we're working with a student who we're doing a functional behavior assessment with and putting together a comprehensive, you know, behavior intervention plan, um, First and foremost, yes, need a ton of positive based things 
need a ton of positives yeah. first. If, yep. if we are thinking of implementing some type of um, what we would call like a punishment procedure, um, and there's a lot of different different types of punishment procedures, you know, um, it could be a response cost procedure where maybe they have a token economy. And if something happened, they lose a token, you know, they can get it back, but they lost it right now. Right. Um, or it's maybe removal of an item or, oh, the one that I really hate is removing from recess. Right, <laughs> um, right. And, and that is probably the most common one that I see, you know, I'll go into a classroom and I'll hear like, oh, they lost recess yesterday or they lost recess last week. And, you know, I'll say, okay, you know, you know, why did they lose recess? Like, what did they do? Um, you know, did they know that they were going to lose recess? Um, how often does this happen? Right. Um, and sometimes I'll get the gist of like what happened that day and I'll have observed that whole morning and think to myself, well, this kind of happened today too. And he didn't lose recess today. Um, <laughs> Just that so particular like, day, the teacher was kind of not feeling yeah. it. <laughs> so, so I think when we, when we talk about any type of like consequences um, that we're giving to our students, um, one, they're never going to work. If like you said, that's the only thing that we're implementing. Right. Um, Cause we're not, we're not reinforcing any of the good behavior then if that is the case and yeah. that should be the biggest thing that we're looking at looking at first before even thinking about consequence or punishment procedures um say we do have all of those really good positive based intervention interventions in place for a student and you know we're still continuing to see some issues with challenging behavior um maybe we need to do look at, need to look at some consequence-based procedures. But again, I would typically only do this when we've exhausted some of those options first right. with the positive-based interventions. And are we teaching these skills? Are we implementing the plan consistently and with integrity? Um, okay, then maybe we do maybe need to look at this. Um, whenever we're implementing um, a punishment procedure, it's so, so important that one, it's being implemented consistently. Um, consistently with integrity. If we're just throwing in a consequence willy-nilly, that is, if anything, going to make the situation a lot worse yeah. or in increase challenging behavior typically. Yep. Um, and again, thinking about like suspensions or in-school suspension. Um, and again, sometimes this just happens willy-nilly and you know what? The teacher or administrator is having a rough day today, you know, kicked them out of the classroom and now they're in in-school suspension. Usually my first question is, what does in-school suspension look like? Right, right. <laughs> so, and, and again, I'm not saying that, again, especially looking at a, at a, in a school setting and an A setting where, um, you know, we're not in a specialized setting where we might be able to manage that challenge fever within the, um, within the classroom setting. But, you know, it's been an hour. It's really disrupting the learning environment of others. It's not safe. They need to be removed from the room and might not be able to go back in. Okay, if that's the case, then what does it look like when they are being removed? Are they going and sitting in a room and playing games all day and getting lots of attention? Right. Or are they able to watch YouTube videos? Or <laughs> is someone sitting with them and doing the classwork just like they were in the classroom? You know, and there's a big difference there. Right. Um, you know, I'll never forget I walked into a classroom and the student that I was su supposed to observe wasn't in there. Um, came to find out they were an in-school suspension. And the first question I ask is, okay, like, why are they, why are they an in-school suspension? What happened? Tell me about this. Um, you know, well, they were watching YouTube videos on their Chromebook. My first thought was, 
do they need their Chromebook, you know, or back in, in person, like, do they need the Chromebook in front of them? Or is that something that we can make just not available during the day? Right. Um, uh, the next question is, okay, what does in school suspension look like? Walk down to the room. Kid was on YouTube. They're just watching YouTube videos. They were in in-school suspension for watching YouTube videos. Right. Uh, I'm not sure that they're really getting the full effect of a consequence if that's the case. So I'm like, oh, I think I see the problem here. Yeah. And then the poor case manager was like, yeah, I don't think we really need you for this. <laughs> you know, um, but it's tough. And I, the hard part too is I think when we, here, like a consequence-based procedure or punishment procedure, I think a lot of times we do think, oh, they're being placed in timeout or, oh, they were removed from the room and now they're in this room by themselves or, you know, you took away their recess. Um, there's a lot of different options out there in terms of um, punishment procedures. And again, I, the one example that I probably co most commonly or if ever do use within the classroom setting in the school setting is, you know, response cost. So if a student does have a token economy or they're earning points during the day, or um, they're on some type of level system. Um, so we're signaling availability of certain reinforcers. So we have to be at this level in order to get those reinforcers. If we're not, then we don't get them yet. Um, or sometimes something's removed. So we weren't at this level for this portion of the day. Okay, this item's not available anymore. You know, here's your other options, but this is no longer available. Or you didn't do this, so we're removing a token right now, or you're losing so many points. Right. You can you can absolutely get it back, but here's our expectations we have to follow. I'm going to give you a chance to earn it back, but here's what you have to do to, to earn it back. Right. Um, and um, going along with kind of those, you know, punishment-based procedures, it's so important to just in terms of when a student is engaging in challenge behavior, being able to switch, you know, flip that switch in our heads of, okay, the challenge behavior happened. Now they just started calming, they're engaging in good behavior. I need to remember to praise them now again. And I think that's really difficult sometimes to do, especially, and I, and look, I get it. I've been in those moments where, uh, you know, the student was engaging in non-compliance for over an hour and, you know, I'm exhausted. I'm frustrated. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, but now they just took a deep breath. The best thing you could do in that moment is say, Hey, I love the way you took a deep breath. Oh, it doesn't need to be anything major, but Hey, I see that you just sat up or, you know, thanks for getting up off the floor, you know, thanks for going to your seat and sitting down, yep. you know, and kind of building that behavioral momentum back up. Yeah. Um, I, I love the, I love that behavioral momentum. That's great. Yeah. I use that term a lot. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you know, it's interesting and this is super hard because you know, teachers and paras and administrators, they're humans, so they have human emotions, right? Yes. Somebody does something significant, and now they're maybe, let's say, use the example, re-entered back into the classroom. Mm -hmm. I have to reset myself so that the student doesn't look at me and say, yeah, they hate me because of what I just did. That is super hard to get to. I will yeah. say, though, um, some of... Some people who work with really significantly behaviorally challenged people, uh, I say people because it's not just at schools, uh, yep. they have an Im incredible ability to set this barrier. Like this happened, but almost like I'm forgiving you. Step back mm -hmm. in. We're at square one. We're going to roll again. It's super hard to do. 
It yes. takes a whole lot of work to get to that point, but it sure can does. be done over time. You know, you can, yeah. uh, and you're never going to be perfect, but you can get better at it. Right. And almost sure. like yeah. you're forgiving the student for whatever it was that caused and let's reset. You know, I still care about you as an individual. I know you've had a rough day. I know in many cases you, you, you brought some stuff in from home or you've got some stuff going on in your life. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to gift you this. Let's restart and see if we can get back on track. So I, I love um, everything you're, you're selling and I always yes. have Alex. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you said it really well there. Um, and I think a big piece of that is don't take it personally. Yeah. Which is hard it, to honestly, do, but it, true. At the end of the day, it, no. And, and look, I, and I've been in those moments myself and and it took me a long time to get there too. Like I was one of those people that I would get frustrated. I'm like, I don't understand why this is happening. Why, yep. are, they, why are they hitting me? Why are they pulling my hair out? Why are yep. they lighting me? I don't understand, yep. you know, but it is, it's, you can't take it personally. Cause it's not, it's not you. It's, yep. it's, we need to teach them how to effectively communicate their yep. wants and their needs, you know, in an appropriate way. Yep. You know? And that takes time. It takes effort. It takes resources, you know, yeah, all the yes, above. there are going to be moments where you, you are frustrated. And I think one of the biggest things that I've talked with teachers about um, when we are talking about this is I do say like the, I say the Q-tip reference, which is quit taking it personally. Oh, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Another t-shirt. Like you have a, you have a Q-tip on it. I love it. That's great. (laughs) Um, But that, but it is in all seriousness, like it is important to not take it personally, you know, cause it, it isn't you. Um, and it takes time. And the best thing I think you can do in those moments is one, being able to recognize and being very self-aware that, okay, I'm getting really frustrated here. Maybe I need to call an administrator for right. me to take a minute. Right. You know, I might be getting frustrated. I'm starting to raise my voice. I think I'm making this situation a lot worse. I'm not helping deescalate here. If anything, I'm escalating it even more. Right. And, and there is no shame in asking for help in those moments, you know, and I've told teachers a million times, like, if you need help, I want you to call an administrator early. If, if it's a serious issue and it's been going on for an extensive period of time, call for help and get someone in here for it, especially if you're just one person in the classroom, Absolutely. Yeah. or maybe switch off with someone if you need to. Um, so if you do have, you know, a teaching partner or a, a a paraprofessional in that classroom or, Maybe there just so happens to be a SLP in that room during that time or an OT. Like we're all here as a team to help. Even myself, if I'm in there, you know, I'm not just going to jump in there. I'm going to let you, I'm going to see how you do handle it. I'm going to coach you through it. But if you need help at any point, you need to take a break. You let me know and I'll jump right in. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But, but well, it's hard to learn. That. It's, it is super hard. It's super hard and you're never going to be perfect, but you get better at it. I think, you know, I have yes. plenty, oh, no, absolutely. I have plenty of nights where I'd go home, you know, working, you know, working in special education for many, many years, you have some significant, uh, challenges. There's no doubt, no doubt about it. And some nights I'd go home, I just beat myself up, you know, Me and, and I, oh, <laughs> you know, just beat myself up. What could I have done differently? And uh, over, probably overanalyze. I, I really believe this, like people who work in the education space are really reflective in general which is great. However, it's a two, it's a, it can cut both ways because we don't really reflect on all the positive things that we do as much as we should. We look at the areas and think, Oh, I got to get better at this. Why did that go wrong? What did I do wrong? 
and it, it can really weigh you down, you know, which kind of goes into, sure. you know, all the, 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 the mental health aspects of in the, yeah. the trying pieces of, of working in, in education in general. So no, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times we're probably our toughest critic. Yeah. At the end of the day. Absolutely. And, yeah. You know, and I think, and I, again, this is something that I've had to work on a lot. I'm a perfectionist. If something's not working, I'm like, I need to be able to fix this, you know, and especially if it's not going at the time frame that I need it to, why isn't this working? What am I doing wrong here? Or yep. what did I do wrong here? If I did make a mistake, like you said, overanalyzing it, huge overanalyzer. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm going through every step of something of, okay, <laughs> where did I mess up here? You know? Yeah. Or if somebody's not implementing something correctly, where did I, where was I not clear enough here? Right. You know, if that is the case, that's usually the first thing I do is I'll look at myself and look at, okay, did I train on this thoroughly enough? Did I talk about this strategy? You know, was I clear? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. Well, Alex, I, I, I always believe like I, I think I walk away smarter whenever I talk to you. So I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to say it any better than that. Like you, you, your knowledge base of behavior is just an elite status. Before we jump off, is there any you know, final comments you want to share you know, with the audience? Um, I mean, especially for any educators out there listening, um, you know, and I talked about this in a training um, that I did previously in the year during our T3, but kudos to you guys as educators right now. And especially during a pandemic, I can't imagine what it must have been like as a teacher needing to all of a sudden go from teaching in person, then learning how to teach in a virtual environment, and then learning how to teach in a hybrid environment where you're teaching in person and virtually at the same time. Yeah. And then full circle back to full in person, kids are wearing masks. Oh. It's hard to understand some of them, us wearing masks, you know, some of these students that you just have, especially those, I would say like early intervention for second grade, obviously the issues going up above that, but mm -hmm. students that haven't been in a classroom ever before, you know, I feel you, I see you, <laughs> you know, um, and just honestly, you know, bravo to all of the educators out there right now, because I know it's been a really tough year. It's been a tough few years and, you know, I, I know you're doing the best you absolutely can, and I'm just here to help in any way I can. That's why you're so loved in our school district, Alex. We need thousands of Alex Helds <laughs> in all, districts all across our country. I truly believe that. Thank you so much, Alex, for all your amazing knowledge you dropped on the audience today. Of course. Thank you for having me. And thank you for teaching me things about the education world and teaching in general, because again, that's not my expertise area. So I like learning from you just as much as you like learning from me. Appreciate that. <laughs> and by the way, to our listeners, we will put a link to her blog in uh, down in the show notes so you can you can check out the amazing things that she's sharing with you. Thanks again, Alex. Thank you. In this edition of Party Time, I'm going to share with you a story about a Little League team. More specifically, one player from that Little League team who showed amazing growth. But before I can get into that, i got to share some background knowledge. You see, I was a teammate of this young man, and I got to view this entire story from third base. And I'll get to that in a second. But before we get to that... I got to take you back even further. 
my first year in Little League, I was super excited. My dad had coached my brother's team, so I've just been around the game for quite a few years. And this was my re- first real opportunity. I think we didn't have T-ball. I think it was like seven years old, six or seven. And I got a chance to join a team. And it was in our community, we had a couple teams and we would play as part of a league. So they had enough kids that they could formulate a a third team. And that was the team I was on, which we were kind of like a ragtag band of misfits that never played before. Needless to say, we didn't do very well that year. I had some fun, but our coaching wasn't the most positive, right? So nothing against the coaches we had that year. They didn't have a lot of experience, but it was more about just, you know, chirping at us to get us to do stuff. And we didn't really, I'm sure we made some growth, but we didn't perform very well. We won maybe a game or two. However, the following year, they re-split up the teams again. And I got a chance to be on a different team. This time, I was on the Hawks. And the Hawks had two brand new coaches. Young, energetic guys. As a matter of fact, Coach Jimmy was a young guy, and he was also a local DJ. They called him, I think, Jimmy Jam (laughs) on local rock station. Their technique of coaching was much more positive. And I tell you that because it played a big part, in my opinion, of this story that I'm going to share with you about this young man who showed incredible growth. You see, instead of just chirping at us all the time, it was fun. It was light. I still remember taking the field, and I would be out in my spot, wherever I was at, playing in the field, and Jimmy or our assistant coach, one of them would would say, Oh, yeah. And all the team would yell, Oh, yeah. Right? Just silly stuff like that. But you know what? We built a really good atmosphere within that team. And all the players just loved playing for those guys. Their young, energetic, enthusiastic way really helped us to keep us motivated and keep us going. The last, we, we did tremendously well. In the last game of the season, was against our rivals, the Falcons. And they were also from our league, our town, within, and they played in our league. And we knew a lot of those players. As a matter of fact, a lot of them went to the same school that we went to. It was a big rivalry. We had one player on our team. I'll call him Dale. Dale was not a good player. Not that I was a great player, but Dale had really never played before. Dale wasn't the most athletic kid in the world. Dale pretty much rarely hit the ball at all. And I remember pitch after pitch in practice, Coach Jimmy just throwing balls in and just constantly telling him, you can do it, man. Come on, keep at it. You'll get it. And he would swing and he would swing and he would swing and hit air and hit air and hit air and nothing would happen. Most of the time, Dale in a game would come in to like the last inning or two. He'd get up to the plate and he'd either not swing at all and maybe he would get a walk and go to first base. A lot of the times he would get struck out. Very rarely did Dale make it on base. 
in this one game against our rivals, it came down to the last inning. I remember it well because I stood on third base. I was lucky enough to get on base. We were down by three runs. We were the last team to bat. And I got on, and the person behind me got on, the person behind, behind him got on. We had the bases loaded, down three runs. Sounds like something out of a movie, but I swear this is the actual truth. I stood on third base. There's two outs. And I remember thinking, well, we were close because here comes Dale. Dale stepped to the plate, and I'm pretty sure everybody else, we all knew he was a good guy. We all knew he tried real hard, but we all knew it just wasn't going to happen. Our best, our best chance was that Dale would get walked. They would throw four balls, and Dale would walk, and then we could keep going. That is not what happened, though. All of a sudden, Dale steps up to the plate, and you hear this, this voice which was our coach. Come on, Dale. This is your moment. You can do it. He said it. I'm not sure anybody believed it. So the pitches came. Strike one. Strike two. We're one out away. And I don't know what it was. Maybe it was a miracle. Maybe Dale closed his eyes and just swung the bat for a change. I'm not sure. But what I do know is The ball came in on what was essentially the last pitch or could have been the last pitch of the game. And Dale hit a ball so far, it went, we didn't have a fence, it went up this hill and he hit a grand slam. He ran around and we cleared the bases and we won by one run. I swear this is the truth. It sounds like something out of a movie, right? But really, it was a bunch of third-grade kids. Dale, who had really come from not being able to do much on the baseball field to hitting the game-winning Grand Slam in the last game of the season, which ended up being an undefeated season because we beat those Falcons, was unbelievable. Dale had gone from zero self-confidence to hitting the most important pitch and having the most important hit in the entire season. So what does what on earth does this have to do with your classroom? I'm going to share this bring it back to your classroom. And what does it have to do with behavior, right? Well, my first experience in working with the my very first little league team by halfway through the season we had more kids worried about picking, picking dandelions than playing baseball. It just was not a positive atmosphere. By the time we got our next season, and we had some of our players were new, Dale had never played before at all, right? It was a different atmosphere. You see, those coaches were all about just, just crushing us, flooding us with positivity. It's not easy to step up to a plate and hit a ball. Baseball is really hard. However, your best bet is to step up there confidently, believing in yourself. And the only way you're going to get that from a, from a kid who has zero self-confidence is to build it. And I say that because it's kind of the same thing with behavior. 
You want to build behavior over time, and you can do it by flooding them with positivity, flooding them with reinforcement and praise. It can make a world of difference. I'm not saying that you increase the praise in your classroom and immediately you're going to see a dramatic effect in one student who's maybe been giving you a hard time. I'm saying you have a better chance. You've got a better opportunity to make an impact on that student. You've got a better chance for that student to be able to hit a home run with their behavior. Have big eyes. Have big eyes, people. What I mean is, see your student who has behavior challenges, see them not when it's perfect, see them when they're trying. You know, if you've got a student who really is struggling in your classroom behaviorally, step phase one is trying to make a connection with them because it's going to be really hard if, to, make, to make much movement with a student who doesn't trust you or at least know that you care about them because otherwise you're just somebody standing in the front of the classroom barking orders at them. It doesn't mean if you build a relationship, you're always going to get a desired behavior. What I'm saying is you've got a better chance. So what does it mean to have big eyes? It means when you work with a student individually, if you see them trying, you've got you've to acknowledge it. It's so easy to feel like this kid has wore me down. They're constant. The behavior's all over the place. They're try- they might try, but it's not the- still nowhere near the behavior that I'm hoping for in my classroom. The way to get there, though, is not an easy process. Improving behavior, it is- it's developmental. It's kind of like building a reader, right? That's not something that happens overnight. And so it's not an easy answer. Because we want students to be able to function and participate and be successful in the classroom behaviorally, but it doesn't always happen lickety-split like we'd all hope it to. Sometimes it takes time. And once you've built a relationship with a student and you've talked with them about their behavior, now it's up to you to make sure that you spot it. Not spot perfection. (laughs) Spot their effort. If you know they're trying you got to see it, and you've got to acknowledge it. It doesn't matter if it's a first grader or an 11th grader or even an adult. It's building behavior, and you can build it by reinforcing. Somehow, some way, you've got to acknowledge it. You've got to let them know you see them trying, and it means something to you. you got to let them know that their efforts are something that's positive, and you want it to happen more because they're going to be successful. It's not going to be perfect, but you're much more likely to have success if you have big eyes and you can see the effort and you acknowledge and reinforce the effort. I'm going to finish on this. I know behavior is exhausting. <laughs> I've lived it. I have a couple scars to prove it. I know working with challenging behaviors can be really tough. Hang in there. Understand the best that you can. It's not you. 
try to put up a barrier to not take it personal. Easier said than done, by the way. And just do your best to try to be patient and work with the student. It's never going to be easy, but if we're going to get them to be able to hit a home run, we got to build a positive environment and we've got to build opportunities so that they know that we can see them and we're reinforcing that behavior. It's going to set them up for a better chance to have success and it's going to keep your sanity a little bit more in the classroom. I know it's exhausting, so I'll end on this. Take care of yourself so you can take care of them. Thanks for all you do out there in education land. Appreciate you. Party time. It's like sirens are going off in my head. We're going to try to just not be horrible. Watching you, exhausting entertainers. Always watching. Last Christmas. <laughs>